you know, a day of memorial, a day of remembrance, that's a good thing because uh, we have a tendency to be forgetful, don't we? And some of us, the older we get, we uh, even are more forgetful. Uh, and uh, I see a few acknowledgments of that as well. I read a story about two elderly ladies who had been friends since their 30s, and now they were in their 80s, and they still got together a couple of times a week to play cards. One day they were playing gin rummy, and one of them said, you know, we've been friends for many years, and please don't get mad, but for the life of me, I can't remember your name. Will you please tell me what it is? And her friend just glared at her. And she continued to glare and stare at her for at least three or four minutes. And finally she said, how soon do you need to know? <laughs> I was relieved uh, that a study at John Hopkins, uh, that I'm not the only one that has memory issues, that there are many things that we forget. 83% forget names. Uh, 60% where something is. You ever hide something so you don't forget it and then you can't remember where you hid it? I know someday when I'm gone and they're going through my books, they're going to find some book that has some money stashed in there that I thought, I'm going to put that away for this. And, but, uh, so now all of you want to have my library and hopefully that's <laughs> some gold in there. Telephone numbers. Um, boy, I've been stuck a few times at uh, putting in a PIN number, and there have been a few times I just literally went blank. I couldn't remember what my, you know, and if you put it in so many times, then you can't use the, the card. So um, we all have memory issues. Uh, some of you know the actress Mary Lou Henner. She was on the old TV show Taxi and been in lots of shows. She has a really fascinating, you can YouTube, uh, a fascinating condition, and it actually has a name for it, and it's called Highly superior autobiographical condition. And what it is, if you say to her, April 13th, um, 1972, she can tell you what she was doing on that day. There is only roughly, they've said, only about 100 people in the world that have this memory condition. That's kind of the opposite. Now, there's some things I might not want to remember in that much detail, right? But she can tell you what she was, where they, she was eating, where she was, what she was doing on that day. Isn't that amazing? And so it's important for us to remember, and I think especially as Christians, it's important for us to have spiritual memories, to remember and acknowledge God's faithfulness. Amen? And so I, I think about the old hymn, Great is Thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. That's a testimony of God's faithfulness. And so this morning, uh, in our passage this morning, we want to look in Joshua chapter 4. And as I said, we'll be back in our John study next Sunday. But I uh, want to do something a little different this morning. And here in John chapter 4, we see how God instructed Joshua to set up memorial stones uh, when they crossed the Jordan, when God made the waters part and they crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan. Now, just a little bit of context for Joshua. Moses is dead. Moses did not, was not able, God did not allow Moses to enter into the promised land or to uh, lead them into the land of Canaan. And we know that 
Moses, there were some reasons that God didn't do that. So Joshua now is taking the Israelites, majority of them, if not all of them except a few, were born during that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness or in the desert. And so now Joshua is leading them. He was Moses' right-hand man, and he's leading them into the land of Canaan to take possession, and they're going to uh, take possession of what God promised uh, Abraham back in uh, Genesis chapter 15, the land promised. They are going to make take possession of that, crossing the Jordan River. So when they crossed over, uh, God had them, or had through Joshua, uh, put these stones of remembrance into the waters, and that the priests, when they, uh, they had them done before the priests, the high priests uh, of Israel, before they put their feet into the water, these stones were in the water, and after everyone had crossed over, uh, these 12 large stones were put there, one for each of the 12 tribes, and we're, we're going to read through this a little bit as we walk through the passage. We're in the taking time to read it and then go back and review it. But these 12 stones representing these 12, the 12 tribes of Israel that were to be put in the Jordan before the priests would walk over, and once they came to the other side, then the waters uh, came together. But they were to be a memorial uh, in honor to God's faithfulness, these memorial stones. And, uh, and so this morning, I want us to kind of just take that and uh, asking ourselves, why did God want them to put up stones as a memorial? And the title of today's message is Stones of Remembrance. Stones of Remembrance, uh, primarily from Joshua 1 through 9, but we'll look at a few other scriptures. But why did God instruct them to put up these stones as a memorial. And I want to look at and suggest to you four reasons that I think are applicable to our life of why these were uh, true for them and true for us as well as we kind of think in terms of this memorial remembering the Lord. Number one, I believe it was essential that they put these stones, number one, to shake their memory to shake their memory. We tend to forget, don't we? We tend to forget God's faithfulness. All of us are susceptible to bouts of memory loss, sometimes more than others, and especially times when we don't uh, want to. I heard somebody say um, that they had a photographic memory. The only problem is they keep running out of film. Um, so uh, I get that. But our lives and our world are filled with different ways we have uh, ways that we want to honor and memorialize uh, individuals. Behind this platform, you can't see it, but there's two plaques behind there that we honor two individuals. One, that when we redid this platform, uh, many of you uh, don't know this man, you know his wife Sandy, but there was a plaque there in honor of Don Corder. Don Corder was a member of our worship team. Don was an elder, a faithful man. I miss him. And uh, so when we redid this platform, we just thought it was um, uh, appropriate because worship uh, was so important to him that we just said, hey, we're going to dedicate this, uh, this revised platform, the stage or whatever, because again, its primary use is the worship. The other is uh, Cheryl Menick's uh, father when she um, gave the money to purchase this cross that was custom made for us. And so she wanted to do that as an honor, as a tribute 
to her dad. So we have lots of memorials. There's plaques of accomplishments. Uh, if you have a wedding band, that should uh, be a good memory. Uh, uh, good memory. Uh, and uh, there's tombstones. You go across the street, and there are many tombstones uh, over there. Uh, the Lincoln Memorial, you go to Washington. Uh, I mean, all sorts of things. Arlington Cemetery. And even as Christians, we have the Lord's Table, the Lord's Supper, baptism. Those are symbols, pictures of memorializing, remember. But Moses, uh, earlier, when he, in the book of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy, I, I, I really would like to preach uh, through that because it's a tremendous, a tremendous book that Moses, really to capsulize uh, the book of Deuteronomy, it was Moses' uh, sermon that he gave to the nation of Israel before they crossed over into Canaan. Moses could not go with them, but Moses uh, gave them kind of this final message. And if you lay out the book of Deuteronomy, you, you really see that it closely aligns itself uh, as a template of the Ten Commandments, that what Moses laid out for them was simply, again, a review of the law and how they were called to be obedient to the word of the Lord. But Moses knew something when he warned them uh, several times, but Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 12 he warned them that when they get over there and they start eating and enjoying the fruit of the land, he said, Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. There's something very typical of human behavior, isn't it? That once the suffering is over, once the sickness is over, once the financial crisis is over, what do we tend to do? We move on. We kind of forget, right? Uh, after 9-11, of the, the horrific uh, attack on our nation on September 11th, uh, 2001, what was attendance the following Sundays for a while like in American churches? Just skyrocketed, didn't they? And then that kind of just waned a little bit, uh, wasn't so much. And so we have that tendency, Moses said, beware when you get into that land and God starts to give you prosperity and success, beware. And so these heap of stones were to be a visible reminder, were to be a tangible reminder of the memory of what God had, has done. We have those, just in a, in a normal sense. We have memories of places that were important to us, uh, memories that were significant in my life. Sometimes when we are daydreaming or thinking back, you know, sometimes I'll daydream and think back to uh, at my grandparents' house. It wasn't anything necessarily significant, but it was just a, it was a good, it was just a nice, peaceful place that uh, I could think back to my grandmother, both of them, but, you know, my grandparents, and, and I think about that, and sometimes that's a very peaceful feeling. I'll maybe reminisce and think about growing up in Virginia Beach and relive some of those memories. We have memories of people, people that were significant in your life. Uh, if Immediately, I, I think of several names, but one name, who uh, he's in heaven, uh, his name was Ted Pantaleo, good Italian name. And uh, he uh, used to be one of the speechwriters for then, back whenever it was in the 70s, the governor of Maryland. God saved him, and he just wanted to serve God, and he ended up becoming part of the staff of the church that uh, I grew up in as a kid and later became the headmaster of the Christian school. And he was just somebody that uh, gave me 
you know, a certain amount of attention and encouragement. I was very, I, I was a very, very outstanding student in high school. You know, I was usually outstanding in front of the principal's office, but I was outstanding. But Ted, Ted took an interest in my life and uh, encouraged me and really was somebody that I felt was really somebody that, uh, you know, just, just, just shaped and helped my thinking there. And I, there's many others. So there's people, there's experiences. Um, you know, there's experiences of life through difficulties and, and how God was faithful through that and various situations, maybe health scares, all those things. We have memories of those. We have mementos that we, we have little stones of remembrance, mementos. Uh, this ring is a little memento when I uh, graduated college that couldn't afford it. My brother, who might be watching. He says he watches, but I'm not sure he's watching. So if I, he makes a comment about this, I'll know he's watching. But, uh, but I couldn't afford that, but he bought that. So it's not only a memory of God's faithfulness in, in taking me through college, which, uh, I, listen, I got a GED out of high school. I, I mean, I was, um, I was the thought of college, uh, maybe, you know, beauty college, but it wasn't real college, you know. Um, and uh, God's faithfulness, but so when I think about him, when I have this ring on, so we have little mementos. You go to my office, there's all little trinkets uh, in there that don't mean anything to anybody, but I can pull this and say, you know what, that reminds me of when I was in the Ukraine, uh, a former lieutenant in the Soviet army gave me that little vase there, and I have, I have little memories that immediately catch my attention to go back to something that was important in my journey. We should have all those type of things. We should have those kinds of triggers in our life, shouldn't we? Things, because we are forgetful people. And there's reasons that we often forget. Sometimes we're just in a hurry. We're just in a hurry, and we say, you know what? I totally forgot. I remember one time being in a hurry uh, when I lived up in Chicago and rushing to the airport and parking my car and going to the airport, and I don't know where I was going, but I came back, and I literally had no idea where I parked my car. At O'Hare Airport. If you've ever been there, that's not like, you know, it's not like the uh, Lakeland Airport, okay? Uh, that was a problem. I had a general... Now, if you notice, I, was, uh, I flew out this past week out of Tampa and other airports that have it. I know uh, uh, many parking garages. You notice that many times they'll have things that are meant to jar your various senses. Like if I go back to O'Hare in Chicago, each level of the parking garage has not only a different color, but they usually have the theme of a particular Chicago sports team. So you can like, I don't remember what, but I remember Michael Jordan. I remember the Bulls that had that on there. You're like, oh, that was the third level or whatever. They'll have the Cubs, the Sox, Blackhawks, whatever. And uh, then they'll have music that's different on each floor. So maybe at the Cubs or something, they may have take me out to the ball game or, you know, whatever. So in other words, why? Because it's trying to, if you don't remember the number, at least you can have some sensory memory. But why? Because we forget. I go to the Lakeland Hospital, and there's many times I'm going in, and I go, and I'm like, I didn't check. Now what I do, when I flew out uh, this past week, guess what I do? I take my phone, take a picture of where I'm parked. Because when I'm coming back late, then I don't want to be thinking, wait, was it orange or blue? And was I on, t I mean, I don't want to be dealing with that. Take a picture. So there you go. That's, but we're in a hurry. Sometimes we forget uh, when we feel helpless. We wonder where God is. God, have you forgotten me? Um, 
You know, have you just, have you abandoned me? Are you even paying attention? And we need those memorials, those stones of remembrance like Joshua put up to remind us that as God has been faithful, that when I didn't have the power or the strength, guess what? God met me at my weakest moment. And I need those reminders. And sometimes when we're hurt, sometimes when we're hurt and we want to lash out, we just forget the promises of God. We forget what the psalmist says, trust in him at all times, you people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. You feel hurt? Abandon yourself in God. He is a refuge. Uh, he says in 56.11, in God have I put my trust, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You trust in God. When we want to be hurt and we want to lash out, we forget that God is the only one that I can really trust. And the Bible says it's better in Psalm 118, verse 8, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. You see, these stones that Joshua had the Israelites put into that riverbed, they were to shake their memories. We need our memories shaken to be reminded when we get into that role where we just feel like the world is caving in, we're so low, i got to look up to see bottom. And so some of the practical ways to get over spiritual amnesia, and uh, these are in your uh, outline that I hope you're using, is number one, write it down. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I look at people that keep spiritual jour- journals as spiritual giants because I, 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 I start out good. And uh, so I've got a journal I've been working on, and I'll throw in a little line here and there of something significant. But whatever it is and however you do it, write it down. You know, God is a God who likes to write things down, right? Hello? He likes to write things down. He, didn't, he gave Moses those Ten Commandments on uh, two tablets of stone. The Bible, I love this, in Psalm 56, 8, that he records our tears, you want to know if God doesn't pay attention? The Bible says in Psalm 56, 80, he records our tears. So write it down. He has a Lamb's book of life. He likes things written down. Write things down. Now, he doesn't do it because he needs his memory jarred, right? But we do. Write it down. How about tell it to others? You know, we need to maybe do more than once a year, at least twice a year, or at least in a large setting, but that's why in our life groups, as those are grown, that's why those are so valuable, is to be able to share life with one another. When you, when you share of God's faithfulness, even though you may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death, then you talk about God's faithfulness, and you say, you know, man, I was really, I was really despondent this week, and, in, and uh, you know, in my quiet time, I just began to read the scriptures, and God just open this verse, and it was such an encouragement. Let me share it with you. Maybe it'll be an encouragement to you. You know, when I hear of something somebody's gone through or going through, guess what that does for me? It builds my faith, right? Okay, two of you. It, it builds my faith because if they can, if, if, if God can listen and pay attention to their needs, how much more should I be encouraged that he can do the same for me? So I need to tell it to others. You know, I always t- say that anytime we're in a, in a testimony type setting or whatever it is, a Christian, a genuine believer always has one, if they can't think of anything else, you can always say, I'm thankful that God saved me. I'm thankful that God saved me. You always have that to tell others. And also... Use it as a guide. And this is what I mean. 
and this goes back to the faithfulness of God, is that we can use the past, use God's past faithfulness like those stones as a guide to encourage us and draw faith of how God will operate in the future. So many times God will bring to memory and say, do you remember this? Do you remember that? I've got, uh, I know one in particular that I have a little, a little piece of paper that uh, in a particular season in my life um, and that uh, I just had gone through a, a divorce. My children were, my boys were in uh, Chicago. I was in Virginia uh, serving at a, at a church there. And uh, I mean, it, and, and money was tight. Money was tight. And, you know, taking care of a lot of different things. And so my son, who was maybe, my youngest son, Jonathan, maybe six or seven-ish, was going to be in a play in Chicago. And uh, I knew I didn't have the money to do that. And so I remember, now some of you may freak out when you hear this, but just freak out, okay? I'm just going to tell you what it is. But I remember listening to Jerry Savelle. Some of you know that name. And, and talked about when he first got saved and how he would ride out um, when they, he and his wife, they needed furniture for their house. And he wrote out all the furniture that he needed. And he wrote out scriptural promises and began to pray that and kept a record of every time that God met that need. And I said, hey, you know what? I, I think I'll do that. So I literally wrote out everything related to that trip. I mean, from the car rental to the hotel, everything. Right? And guess what? I had people come in the office. I remember one woman came in and they called me the receptionist. It was that kind of church. I had a receptionist, all right? Um, and they called me and uh, took an elevator downstairs and all that. So don't be impressed, all right? I'd rather be here. Um, so uh, she said, I don't know why the Lord told me, but it, uh, the Lord told me to come by and give you this. It was 100 bucks. Now, I wish those people would come by more often, right? <laughs> But they never came by before, and I don't think they've ever come by since. But again, God may have every need. And sometimes the way he'll meet that need may be different than the way you expect. For example, a friend of mine, because I used to pastor in the Chicago area, said, hey, when you come up here, you can use my car. Well, guess what? Scratch off car rental. God provided. Hey, if you want, you can stay with me. Scratch off hotel. You see what I'm saying? But here's the deal. I have that piece of paper, and I made little notes all along the way as God provided. You know why I keep that? So someday when one of my boys look at that and they'll say, hey, look, look at this. What are they looking at? They're looking at a stone of remembrance that testifies to God's faithfulness. Why? Because we wrote it down. We wrote it down. There's a second reason of why God told them to put up stones as a memorial, not only to shake their memory, but to share their faith. Kind of tied into this a little bit. Look at Joshua 4, 6 through 7. And, uh, this may, and this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask in time to come, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be a memorial, a remembrance to the children of Israel forever. Look down at verse 19. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal. 
on the east border of Jericho, and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask the fathers in time, in time, what are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over the Jordan on the dry land. And again, he repeats it. Children ask questions. You ever remember when your kids or grandkids would say, you know, dad, pap, pap, grandma, whatever. Uh, why is this? Why is this? Who made God? And you say, well, ask your mother. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, children want to ask why. And what Joshua is saying is that someday your children and their children are going to ask, what do these stones mean? And they become a memorial. They become symbols of a reminder, they become that visual. You know, if you work with kids, you use visuals. They're not going to just sit there and listen to you lecture. You have to have visuals, object lessons. These stones were object lessons for them, not only just for their children, but sometimes parents get, uh, if you grew up in a church where, uh, how many of you grew up in a church where the pastor would have a children's sermon before the main sermon? How many of you ever see that? And uh, sometimes parents, I was at a church, and they wanted me to do that. And I'll be honest with you, I hated doing it. I hated doing it. I don't hate kids. I was a child. I didn't. But it, I just, it was like being in two separate gears. You know, I've got to come up with an egg and water and some object, and then I've got to get up here and do something. You know, I'm like, I can't. I'm not that, I'm not that good in segregating my mind like that, right? So um, anyway, they got mad at me because I didn't want to do that. But anyway, the times they did, they said, Pat, and this really made you feel good. This is another reason. They said, Pastor, I get more out of that children's message than I get out of your other. <laughs> well, guess what? I hope you enjoyed it because that's the last time I'm doing that stinking children's message, right? Now I'm teasing, sort of. But, <laughs> but here it is. It was a visual. It was a visual. Jesus taught in visuals. You know, he said, the kingdom of God is like, like that guy, sowing seed. Or the kingdom of God is like, a, you know, he would love to give visual pictures. We, that's why we take time to put these slides up there, because we know in the little handout that eight of you use uh, to take notes, um, you know, that's why we do those things, to help you jar and get more out of the Word of God, to interact with the Word of the Lord. But, you know, every generation... The reason it said that these would be a memorial for your children, because the Holy Spirit, Moses, knew the tendency that when you look at the trajectory of generations, it isn't too far removed, maybe the first or second generation, that the victories that God won in this setting here are forgotten by their children and especially their grandchildren. I mean, look at, we're talking about Memorial Day. Many of us grew up and had parents that served in World War II. There's, gen there's two, at least a generation or two that is so far removed from that, that seems ancient history. That's like when people talk about the Civil War. That's just so far removed. But it's not removed from me because I remember my father serving in World War II and real stories and real mementos. And, you know, he talked about, he used to drive me crazy as a kid. He used to talk about this chest that he had all these souvenirs in. And he said, and we were on a ship, and the ship got hit, and it went down the bottom of the Pacific. And I used to, he said, I had a sword. I'm like, just stop, because, you know, as a little kid, you want all that, you know, you just love all that kind of stuff. But, but a generation is removed from that. They're like, yeah, what's the big deal? 
What's the big deal? uh, The Bible says in Judges 2.10, after, this is the generation, after the Joshua generation, it says in Judges 2.10 from the New Living (coughs) Translation, after that generation died, that's the generation that went in and took possession, the first generation, after that generation died, another generation grew up who, what? Did not acknowledge Yahweh or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. Now, why do you think that is? Where was the breakdown? Mom and dad. Mom and dad. Now, I'm going to irritate some of you. But, you know, good preaching is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted, right? Some of you will get that in an hour. But listen, I don't understand Christian parents that leave it with their children to choose whether they're going to come to church or not. I don't get that. They don't do that with school. What are you teaching them? What are you teaching them? Listen, my children grew up in a benevolent dictatorship. I was... You see, my responsibility, when you look at the responsibility that God gave, He gave it to you fathers... And I recognize the abdication of dads in our culture, and it's been going on for years. But let me tell you something. That does not negate the principles of the Word of God. Now, obviously, when they get of age and they start paying their own bills or when they're on their own, you know, I I get that. But as long as they're living under me, and as long as they're... And you say, well, I don't want to be legalistic. Oh, baloney. Not that is baloney. I don't want to force them to go to school. They're tired. You know, they were up late. You'd say, yeah, I don't care if you're tired or not. You're getting up and you're going to school. Why? Because that's a value and that's important. Oh, when it comes to honoring, you know what? I don't want to be legalistic. I'm not there to be their buddy. I'm there to be their parent. Hello? Too many parents want to be their kids' buddies. I'm not. That isn't what God called me to do. And even though my role has changed, they're 30 plus now, guess what? Yeah, I'm their friend, but guess what? My role as their father has not been abdicated. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so why did the generation, why did they, why, why did they forget? Why did they remember? Somewhere there was a breakdown in doing what God had called them to do. Notice thirdly, Why did God want them to put up stones for a memorial? Not only to shake their memory, to share their faith, but also it was to shape their worship, to shape their view and understanding of God. Look at verse 20 through 24. Uh, Actually, we kind of read that, so I'm not going to... that Again, just to give a little context about the... Again, he's repeating about the 12 stones they took out of the Jordan set up in Gilgal, verse 22. Sorry, media people, I'm, maybe I didn't put it in there. But um, uh, how the Lord dried up the, the waters. But this is what I want you to see, verse 24. Do we have verse 24? Yeah. Um, and it continues from verse 23, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. And here's the reason, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord that it is mighty, and that you, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. 
Why are these memorial stones? Why did he do that? To shape their thinking that is God-centric. You see, uh, A.W. Hoser said that the, per- the, the lofty, actually it was Spurgeon, said that there's no higher thought than thoughts about God. We don't, we don't really think about God and who He is. And this was to help shape, even though I have the word worship there, it's not about God. Who you worship, anything, you know where the word worship, it came from the word to give worth to. You worship what you value. You worship what is important to you. You pay homage to it. You give money to it. You dedicate time to it. Things of God are important. Guess what? You commit your life and prioritize your life towards the things of God. If it's not, then you just throw God a tip every once in a while and, and uh, show up when you need to. Because it's not important to you. You don't value it. You don't give worth to it. He was wanting them to have their concept of God through these visuals of these stones. He wanted their concept about who God is, not only to understand the power of God, but to have their understanding. When he says the fear of God, uh, there's really not, but it's not the terror of God. He's not saying you should be afraid of God in that sense. There is a fear of God that's, a, that's more than respect. It's not just respect, but it's a sense of honor. Now again, the uh, illustrations break down, but I feared my father, but I wasn't afraid of my father. I know that's not a perfect illustration. The worst words my mother could ever say is, wait till your father comes home. And I knew he came home every day at 4.30. And I hated that thought. And then she liked to just mess with you and then not tell him. And you're like, well, I'm not going to bring it up. Did he forget? <laughs> when's, it, when's, when's the apocalypse going to happen, right? So it's not a terror, but here's what he's saying. These stones are to preach the glory, goodness, power of God's acts. Because think about the significance of what, significance of what happens. It was so significant that the, God delivered his people from Egypt, that it's memorialized in the Passover. It was memorialized that Jesus himself became the Lamb of God, our Passover. So this was no small thing that God just gave you a good parking place in front of Publix. No, this is something that is significant, life-changing. You see, your salvation, the reason a lot of Christians cannot define and explain the gospel is because they've never been shaped in their understanding of what the gospel is. God wants us to have God-centric thinking in the way that we view our life, we view our culture, the way we view our church. And these stones of remembrance were there to shape the worship, to not forget God. But as we saw within a generation That was broken down. The testimony only comes with the test. There's no testimony without the test. And they saw these stones as a testimony of what God had brought 
their parents and the generations through. Sometimes we don't see the mighty hand of God because we're not looking. You know, sometimes the woe is me because you start to ask, well, do you, did you sleep in a bed last night? Well, yeah. Did it rain on you? No. Did you have something to eat? Yeah. Do you have a job? Yeah. You cannot see the faithfulness of God. And, and that's the reason I think it's important to gather among the people weekly, regularly, because worship, again, is a reminder. Songs we sang today, which were perfect for this message, uh, sing about the faithfulness of God. I, you know, my favorite word is the word calibrate, right? It's to get it, get it back, get the machinery back. So it's calibrated, so when it starts working, it's working in its proper form of what it was meant and designed to do. You know what I, happens when we come to worship? I'm getting my spirit, mind, heart recalibrated to be reminding myself of those stones of remembrance of God's faithfulness. Yeah, it's been a hard week, it's been a rough week, but, get, but I'm, I'm reminded that God is a good God, that God is a faithful God. And he knows everything that I'm going through. Nothing has caught him off guard. He doesn't learn anything. He catches no surprises. But God is on the job watching over my life. And as I look back at the stones of remembrance in the past, I see the faithful hand of God all on the way. Surely goodness and mercy have what? Followed me all the days of my life. Look over your shoulder. Surely, surely goodness and mercy are they're right behind you. They're with you. God's mercy. God's goodness. And so why did God want them to put up those stones of a memorial to shake their memory, to share their faith, to shape their worship, their view of God? But notice last, number four, and boy, this is, don't miss this, it's to shatter their past. To shatter their past. Some of you need your past shattered. Jim talked about identity. You need your identity and who you are in God. Joshua 4.9 then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. I find that interesting that it's in the middle of the Jordan. Sometimes God's faithfulness, guess what, is in the middle of the mess, <laughs> right? Set up those 12 stones in the midst, in the middle of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests, what were they doing? They were carrying the Ark of the Covenant where they stood, and they are there to this day, to this day when this book was Written. I don't know if they're there to this day today, but when this book was written and for centuries uh, that uh, the scripture says they were there. Before the priests, here's what's going on. Before the priests carrying the ark came out from the middle of the dry uh, Jordan River bed, Joshua went back, set up 12 stones in the middle of the river, and when the priests came on shore, the water flowed over again on top of those stones, covering those stones that Joshua had set up in the middle of the Jordan River. Look down at verse 18 and 19. And it came to pass when the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that when they got over on the other side, touched the dry ground, they passed over that the waters of the Jordan... Uh, came back together, returned to their place, and overflowed all its bank as before. Now look at this, verse 19. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, 
and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Let me tell you, we're talking about that the reason God did this was to shatter the past. Gilgal, the name Gilgal means the reproach has been rolled away. That's what Gilgal means from the Hebrew. In Joshua 5.9, look at this, Joshua 5.9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away. And in the Hebrew, it's a derivative of the name we get Gilgal. The phrase that's translated in the English, I have rolled away. Joshua 5.9. The reproach of Egypt from you and the place be called, will be called Gilgal. You see, Gilgal, that 40 years of that generation and their parents in the wilderness, which was uh, identified by failure, defeat, disobedience, guess what? That was all behind them now. It was buried. It was shattered. It was buried in the Jordan River. Uh, those 12 stones not only represented what God did, but it also represented the past in some respects, that God rolled it back. God rolled it back, and that's what Gilgal means. And some of you need to be reminded of God's faithfulness that He has rolled back the defeat. He has rolled back the failure. He has rolled back that identity that you've hung on to and to remind you that you are a new creation in Christ. Behold, all things are gone and new things have come. It's time for a new beginning. This was a time of new beginning. This was a time of a new status among the people of God. And Gilgal represented the place where God rolled it back. Guess what? God, fast forward, God used another stone to roll back and create a new beginning. You want to take a wild guess what that was? How about the resurrection of Jesus? God took that stone, if you will, rolled it back for a new beginning, that the resurrection of Jesus, that we in Him, He is the resurrection and the life, as, he, as we studied a few weeks back, that that Easter morning they discovered that stone had been rolled away. It was a new beginning. Well, listen, maybe, maybe you've built some monuments, not to God's faithfulness, but you've built some monuments that are monuments and tributes of, of the past and those defeats. You know, there's an interesting... Uh, a tradition that in some uh, Italian cultures and maybe in other cultures on New Year's Day or on New Year's Eve at the stroke of midnight, that in some villages that one of the traditions they do is they open their windows and they throw out of their house something that was a reminder of that year or the past. You see what they're doing? They're rolling it, they're rolling back, they're rolling it back. They're saying, I want, to get, I want to disregard this memory. Some of you hang on, literally, to mementos that are symbols of, of negative things. Well, I just, you know, can't get rid of that. Can't get rid of it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. At least spiritually, get rid of it, right? And so Gilgal represented the place that God shattered the past. And I love the fact, not to over-spiritualize it, but it took... Until the high priests walked on those stones. Then God subsided the water back together. Listen, we have a great high priest. Who walks over our defeats. Who walks over our stones of, of despair. And guess what? Until the high priest puts his feet on those. 
and covers it up and washes it with the cleansing water of His Spirit, guess what? We will have no freedom. We'll, have no, we'll be Christians. We'll wave to each other in the rapture. But guess what? We will live lives of, of, of despair and bondage here right now because we've, we don't know what it's like to live on the other side of the Jordan Bank with having those things, having had the high priest of Jesus walk on top of all those things and say, I am free, I am free, I am free by the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, and he could say in Philippians 3, verse 13, Brethren, I don't count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Why, why, why? Why does God want us to put up stones, if you will, for a memorial? Let me remind you, He wants, us, he wants to shake our memory. He wants some of you to have your memory shaken, to be reminded of God's faithfulness. He wants you to share the faithfulness of God, of what He's done in your life. You've gone through a test, well, God's given you a testimony, not for your endurance and not for your, you know, just your willingness to go through something. No, let me tell you about how God, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, let me tell you about my shepherd who comforted me and who still comforts me. He wants you to have your worship and your view of him shaped, yes, even shaped, by the negative things that come your way because they're reminders. Listen, it's again, it's that choice. It's that choice of either seeing my life as things that happen to me or that happen through me. Do you catch that? See, I think that's the essence of what Joseph, when Joseph stood before his brothers and was at that moment of choice when he, and I think a little bit of that back and forth drama, I think he was, the man was struggling with what he was going to do with his brothers. I think his flesh wanted to hang out by meat hooks. But what did he do? He chose to look at where he was at and seeing the hand of God working through him versus to him. And that's what he said. You meant it for evil. But he put on his God lens. But God meant it for good. You see, that's the difference in looking. Are they stones? Where I failed, or is it stones of where God met me? Come thou fount of every blessing. We sing that hymn, one of my favorite hymns, prone, prone to wander. Wander, not wonder what's going to be for lunch. I mean, wander like lost, prone to leave. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave. The God I love. We need days as Americans, as citizens. We need civil days like Memorial Day. They're good. We need more of it. I'm putting my flag out when I go home. You don't have a flag? Go to Walmart and buy a flag. I'm serious. Buy a flag. Show, show your neighbors that I still believe that this country is the greatest country on the face of the earth. And I'm not willing to, to turn it over to the crazies. I believe that God still has His hand upon this nation. And so it, it, it's a good thing. Those are good things to honor our soldiers and honor our nation. But also 
We need spiritual memorials that serve as reminders of God's faithfulness. 